y'all say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. I'm here. Spencer Shea is here. Can you stand the Uh-oh. rain? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. It is. He just got done singing listen, to somebody. Listen, <laughs> For- it is great to be here, P. It's great to be here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. For those that don't know, Spencer is the guy in the bar that'll just come up and randomly uh, start singing to you, as you I can will. hear. You know what? I'm an enter- I'm a natural-born entertainer, man. Yeah, yeah, That's why yeah. I come and I do the podcast, because I'm like, hey, you know what? If it gets me a chance to get a joke or two off, <laughs> yeah. you know, sing a song, who knows, man? When are you getting back into doing stand-up, or attempting to do stand-up, hitting right. open mics? Right. You were pretty consistent with that for a little while. Yeah, uh, I took you do it all. You sing, you play the guitar, you play the bass. You... I, I, I've I started to do music. Uh, shout out to my friend Ian Lindsay. He um, and I have been, you know, sort of cooking on something a little okay. bit, kicking it. Yeah. And he plays uh, Yuck, uh, Yuck God, and he's a rapper, too. I mean, this guy is crazy talented, too. Yeah. And so I'm doing stuff with him. And obviously, with D-Boy, you know, he's yeah. got the album coming out. Yes, sir. Uh, the Scenic Root. Coming out on May 27th, I believe. Something, uh-huh. maybe something to that effect. Some, something like that. Something like that. Maybe I'm just saying that because my birthday is on May 20th. I turned 30. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I, I turned 30 Big this 30. month. So I'm trying to get some music out, man. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to get yeah, some music yeah, out. Yeah. Stand up, maybe you have to sit and take on the back burner. Because you got to start You got to start the next decade on a good foot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm working work. out, man. I'm, we're, we're, we're always working out here, bro. Absolutely, we're absolutely. always working out here. Um, no big stay tuned for that. Follow me on Instagram at Play for Par. Follow me at Twitter, Spliff Van Gundy. You can find me, and we'll talk some shit. Spliff so, Van Gundy yeah. is the name he got on this here podcast, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Y'all hear his basketball takes. He sounds like Stan a little bit. <laughs> you know what, man? I'm trying not to be curmudgeonly, though, dude. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, not. yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm giving you a hard I time. Just, I just it have, was just a great joke at and the have, time, and, and you bone, ran with it. But I do have bones to pick with certain people in I this hear league. You. I hear you. Know? you. So I got to get my shit off. I hear you, absolutely. Um, for starters, again, no big announcements, but I do want to give a shout-out to the SAC committee, the student Athletic Advisory Committee over at Pacific University, which is my alma mater. I had the fortune of going and hosting slash emceeing their sports banquet yesterday, and it was fire. Had a great time being able to honor all the seniors across Pacific Athletics, being able to honor the male athlete of the year, the co-female athletes of the year. It was just a a great time. time for the student athletes it's an important time for the student athletes as well I remember when I used to attend those when I played ball at Pacific and I haven't been back to one of those banquets since I played there so to be asked to come back and host it was really cool it was nostalgic obviously as I mentioned me being an alum there um and yeah it was just a good time and it's one of those things where I know and I understand how memorable these times are for those athletes. Cause I've been in their position mm. before and I sound like a curmudgeon <laughs> when I say that, but knowing that this time of their lives is going to be some of the most impactful times in regards to just ultimately forming and shaping who they're ultimately going to become the relationships that they'll have in the long run. Right. Obviously, you know, as a competitor, going out and playing ball and, you know, sports builds character or reveals it, as they say, as well. And so I just know how pivotal all these little kind of 
moments that they're having in their athletic careers um, is is going to shape their futures in, in a lot of ways. So just to be able to be a part of that in the smallest ways that I'm able to be a part of that, whether it is doing something like hosting a sports banquet or calling the games, like one of the best compliments I got yesterday from Briley Kovaloff. She's a standout player for Pacific Women's Shout Basketball out Team. Kovalov. Oh yeah, absolute, absolute Hooper. killer on that floor. She can <laughs> she gets down. Hooper. But but it was just cool because I was I was talking to her for a little bit yesterday and she's from Hawaii and she's playing over here in Oregon. And she was like, my family over in Hawaii really, really enjoys watching the games because they love you calling them. And so that was just, you know, you never know how far your reach is sometimes. Like, those are the things that I don't think about. Like, obviously, I'm aware people are watching and listening on the broadcast. But when you get those sort of tangible stories where you can talk to somebody and they can tell you about your broadcast and how impactful and how effective it is, Way overseas in Hawaii, that's just pretty cool, man. I don't take those compliments yeah. and those things for granted, dude. It is cool, man. You're trying to make like a good, memorable experience. This is these people's kids, yeah. You know what I'm saying like, yeah, the highlight of their like sporting careers, you know. And that, they and most of them can't be there because they're way in Hawaii, right? Right. And she's right. having so much success dude, over here on the mainland, if you will. Yeah. And they would love to be able to support her See, in that and be there to witness that because she's out here first team all conference you know obviously turning around and a big part of turning around an entire women's program right. and having all the success that she's having in her family can't really get to enjoy it in person so it made me feel really good to know that this is impacting impacting and shaping their family's experience, not just her experience as a, as a college athlete, because she's not hearing me on the call. She's playing, but her, her family, family being able to have that experience yeah, and relay that back to her. And obviously she related to me. <laughs> like those moments are cool. Those moments are cool. Yeah. it's crazy. It made me think like, Oh, so they've definitely heard me say some crazy, crazy shit. shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, man, Yes. <laughs> if I, if, if I get the opportunity to go back there, I'm going to come very as correct as I can, because man, that stuff is so much fun, and we talk about all the time making that stuff matter and making those relationships be impactful on your life. At all relationships at all stages yeah. of anything, of sports or life or business or friendship, it all is... is, is it's all it encompassing. Can, yeah, and, it, can, and it, it means something. And so it's nice to be able to be like, yo, let's just make this as, as cool and it, as we And can. it just ultimately sort of dictates your path. Yeah. Like, in one way or another, it dictates your path. How that looks is different for everybody, but anybody that I know that played sports, played college sports in one way or another, how they go about their life's journey is always connected to, again, what shaped and molded them at that particular time in their life. And so that's just always, again, like having been in that position, knowing that in 2016 I was sitting in the seats that they were sitting in as a student athlete, being honored, being awarded, so on and so forth, to be able to go back and do that, man, it, it was a treat. It was a real treat. Yeah, yeah, that's tight. Because they got to be able to see that you can still maintain a relationship past the game. It's like this is a fruitful situation to be in. Man, that must feel weird. I know I saw you, dude. You were in like a turtleneck or something. I'm like, yeah, damn. Yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah. This is, like, this is a, just a graduate, like a man. Do I remember seeing you in that gym? Yeah. Skinny, just with your jersey. Yeah. No shirt underneath. <laughs> yeah, hooping. just hooping. Like, yeah, damn, it's like... Right. And I know that day is going to come for them five years, 10 right. years, however many years down the line that it comes for them. So, yeah, again, huge shout out to Pacific Athletics. Really, it's just also great to be able to give back 
to that athletics program and you know that's the program that I did my thing on so it's like being able to give back in that way is always a cool thing as well let's jump into some content we're spitballing today Straight up. Well, as you all heard, I've been pretty busy this week, obviously. Yesterday was especially a busy one for me because it was New Paper Day at Street Roots. And I said last week, I'm going to do better at shouting out our vendors, go out and buy a newspaper. Like these past two weeks, additions have been great. We've had interviews with a bunch of elected official or candidates to become elected officials um last last week it was the gubernatorial candidates this week it is the city council as well as Multnomah County candidates so for those of you here in Portland here in Multnomah County here in the state of Oregon very important stuff to read as it is election season right now so very important stuff to read so you know more about your candidates and you're more informed about who you want to vote for obviously to enhance the community we all share so two very important uh newspaper editions that have come out in the past couple of weeks because it's informing you on all the wide-ranging candidates from some of the more popular ones all the way down to some that you just might not even know exist or is running right now because of whatever reason that may be they just didn't come across whatever it is that you have going on but you now can go seek out information on them who they are what they've done what their stance is in regards to how they are going to try to enhance the community if they do indeed get voted in so make sure you find a vendor out here in portland even though it's raining a bit right now still raining in may absolutely crazy go out and find a vendor purchase a newspaper very pivotal news in these last couple of editions um, we just want to inform everybody about what's going on with folks that are running for office around here. Yeah, that's hard. And I local th- politics are just so important. And I hope we learn that, and especially in 2020. And, and there's <laughs> not, like, in other cities, you can't just get that information on the corner in front of your grocery store as you're yeah. going to get your grocery. You just can't. Yeah. That's been all synthesized for you in a paper that costs But you don't have to give them $1. You can absolutely give them more money. For sure. You can tip them. We encourage tips. We tell them not to encourage tips because the price of the paper is $1. But I'm telling y'all, they they encourage (laughs) tips. Yeah, we can. (laughs) And we will. (laughs) And and it's worth tipping them. Yeah, no doubt. Because they're out there. They're out there there in the rain. With with real, pivotal, significant information for you. Right in their hands. Right in their hands for you. So go out and purchase you a newspaper. But again... Yesterday was so busy because it was New Paper Day. So New Paper Day Wednesdays Uh. is always our busiest day, obviously. It's a new edition of the paper, hot, fresh off the press. We're a weekly publication. So we release every Wednesday a new edition of our newspaper. So it's busy at the office. Um, We do our our vendor meetings, our New Paper Day meetings in the mornings prior to when we open. Um, We have folks waiting outside, waiting for, you know, the printing company to back the truck up and, bring in thousands of newspapers into the office, and then just the entire day, it's a pretty busy flow. We also do our new vendor orientations on those days. So Wednesday was just crazy busy for me because, again, had new paper day and then had to go straight from there and go host a banquet. So we're spitballing today. We'll get into the playoffs, but I know I've been pretty playoff heavy as of late, so we're starting with the culture today. We'll do the sports stuff later. Well, I mean— And you know where we're starting. Yeah, there's everyone's anticipating one thing. It's yeah. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is is going to drop here in what? 
three and a half hours? No, four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. Yeah. Four so, and a half hours. As we sit here and record, obviously and the project drops at midnight for the folks on the East Coast. We're here on the West Coast, so we get it at 9 p.m., which is a perk, in my opinion. It's yeah. a perk. Being able to being able to have Thursday night music drops be a part of sort of your Thursday night plan. Because by midnight, most people are in bed. Most people are sleeping. They like, oh, I'll catch it when I wake up in the morning. And by that time, so unless you're like top a, of the wave. Yeah, baby. unless you're like a, a real diehard fan or you're just a diehard music fan I, and you're a fan of the industry and the culture in, in right, such well, a way, you'll stay up until midnight on the East Coast. But I know here on the West Coast, I try to get to bed before midnight. That's for sure. But knowing that at 9 p.m., I'm having fresh new music drop, I'm still up at 9 p.m. So I can turn on whatever project is popping out to me at that particular time, and I can kind of make that a part of my Thursday night plan rather than wake up, have some type of spoiler alert when I wake up before I even get a chance to listen to the project because I'm waking up, getting my day started. I might look at Twitter. I might look on social media, and a whole bunch of people that already listened to the album, and I'm getting think pieces already, and I'm getting everybody's takes and opinions, and now I'm perceiving the the art based on all of these different things that have like flooded my brain based on like what I saw on social media and in some ways that can be not fair for you as a consumer being able to fully you know get the best feel of the art that you can and then obviously well, to the artists as well because what you've been hearing that has kind of formulated your thought process about the art is not what's actually happening well, <laughs> in the art. I mean, I used to, I still do this. I, I do it mostly, I, especially albums that are supposed to be anticipated. I'll give it like a week or two. Yeah. And I'll, I'll look at all the shit and I'll be like, okay, this is what they're saying about this, they're saying about that. If it's a clip that's e everywhere on a timeline or something, okay, I'll watch that. But I always give it time. But with, with this album, you can't do that. You I can't do like. that. Not with this one. It's a different... Not with Kendrick it, it's Lamar. Really, it's Not really, with Kendrick Lamar. It's really like a cultural event. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's, yes. It's, and that's why I'm very excited, and I know I feel hella nerdy, but like it is... Because he, he did the music. He did the music in the jazz thing with Tabimba Butterfly, and he transcended that, and he got a Pulitzer Prize. And then... Damn! Da damn! Wait, wait, got, I mean, damn! Yeah, got the yeah. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Then he then he does the hip hop thing and he turns that up to 11 and then he gets the Pulitzer Prize off of that. And so he's like, okay, you transcended both of those, you know, mediums. Well, now then, what is this going to be? Well, then and after that, we got the Black Panther soundtrack, which is one of the best movie soundtracks yeah, I've good. ever heard. Like now that we've had some yeah. years to sit with that, like. He executive produced that soundtrack. I and think uh, Ludwig Göransson did it with him. The guy that yeah. did uh, the uh, "Awaken My Love" album with Childish Gambino. So yeah, and that's that's, that's, that's major. Some, that's some deep shit. I mean, did you see the album cover? Yes, I did <laughs> see the album. Well, before we even get to the album album cover, did you see the Heart Part Five video yeah, that he course. released on Sunday? Yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah, yes, yes, very good stuff. What did you think about it? Like, what were your yeah. thoughts on that? My. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The one my if I had one criticism about that is that I just personally I'm like I don't know how much I like just making deep fake like a um you know normalizing integral, deep integral fake. yeah normalizing <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a weird way to say cuz we're going to see it more now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and look, facial scan It is trippy. Facial scan and stuff, it's already all in your phone so it doesn't really matter. I'm just saying that like yeah, I, that's that's the only thing I'm like, man. Technology can scare you. Can, can, technology could definitely be a turnoff for a lot of legitimate reasons. 
And he just took I've, things to another level when it comes to merging that of technology and music. He just took things to another place. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And just the way he was like, the, the angle and then the lighting, and there was like a weird like sort of filter on it. And it just, it, the and the sample was so choice. Oh my gosh. The sample was so choice. That's the what Marvin I'm most excited Gaye. about because it's like, that is him going, all right, check it out. I'm going to be very upfront with everyone. Yeah. I got the dopest music in the game. Like if the dopest shit that, I, that it's ever been, I have it. You see this? He, he I have does. this. Yeah. And so he's like, the album. It was that, a flex. That, that it was a flex. Me, that the sample was a that, flex. That, that signals to me that he's saying like, you're basically about to. I don't know. You're basically here like the best music of all time. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what yeah, that yeah. signals to me because yeah. that is an iconic record that he sampled. That right. You don't just go around. And it's around, not cheap. <laughs> and you don't just go around doing that. Yeah. You know? And they're not clearing that for just anybody. That right. sample is not being cleared just for anybody. And I thought he did it very well. Somebody said, uh, <laughs> somebody on Twitter was like, yo, just because, <laughs> this is like initial reaction. They're like, oh yeah, just because. The, the music sounds like you're going to fight Guile in Street Fighter 2 or something like that. That, uh, that He's like, it, but he still can write. And I was like, no, nah, man, the music is fantastic. The music is great. The music is great. And, but I do agree with the writing aspect. Like, I was talking to my friend about it, Nina. She, they're a coworker of mine. And Nina basically, like, reached out to me and said, this is every literary analyst wet dream come to life. <laughs> Nina, shout out obviously to Nina. hearing Kendrick's <laughs> flow, hearing his ability to speak about the culture in such a like critical way, but also we trust him to speak about the culture critically. But I think ultimately, when it comes to him, it's like I I give this advice to rappers a lot. Whenever they do ask my opinion, I listen to a lot of music. I DJ. I'm around a lot of music. So. And I'm from the neighborhood. So we got a hoop dream and a rap dream where I come from. So I got a lot of friends, a lot of peers, a lot of people that I know. Some have made it in the music industry, in the rap game. Some trying to make it. Some may never make it. But they still do it because those are the dreams that we got in the neighborhood. But, like, I always tell them, usually when I'm giving feedback to folks, one of one common piece of advice that I always give is find three to five publications and – do your best to read those three to five publications every day. You can pick and decide what those publications are, but try to find a plethora of publications that you can read every day because I think one thing that Kendrick does so well is his ability to lay out like cultural current events, which is essentially what he did with each deep fake of each individual that he had. He spoke to... He gave terminology almost for cultural current events, but he did it in art form. But you can't do that unless you're somebody that reads a lot, that studies a lot, and that really knows kind of the intricacies of these current events to be able to formulate it in a way that obviously digestible for us as consumers listening to the music, but also in a way that's thoughtful, thought-provoking, impactful, and it's not you just saying the same thing that you heard another artist say or that you heard somebody else say about said subject. And the way that he's able to kind of do that and, and his word selection and his ability to, again, add terminology to like real life experience that we experience as black men, especially the black men in entertainment, who it was um, that he used during his his deep fake segments of the video. Like Kendrick does that as good as anybody. And 
that's the reason why even after taking however many years off that he takes off, the fact that he studies and like I want to know his study regimen at this point. Like I want to know what his studying practices are is because clearly he's been studying this whole time to be able to come out and be just as impactful or if not more impactful between these gaps where we talk about people getting hot and getting cold. He never gets cold. And we trust him and we wait for him because we know that he's going to give us something substantial that we can learn from. And he'll put it in a way for us because he comes from us that also can reach beyond us, far beyond us. And we can realize that. And we know that that's a necessity for us to be able to see the significant changes that we want to see in society ultimately. Yeah, I mean, the dude's a master storyteller, so... Master. I mean, he's, but, but, he's at that but, point of, like, you know, he's, he's out in the pantheon of, like, Nas and Jay-Z, guys who just... It's all about... To, what I... You know, I think those guys are, like... I mean, I, not to get weird, but, you know, like, alchemists in a way, they really, like, synthesize and, like, transmute information and make, like you said, make it, like, palpable and explaining for the people that he's trying to tell the story of. Yeah. To explain it in a blanket way. It's for everyone to understand. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel like that, that, like, those tenets of being are so basic in everything that you do. Like, you have to just be able to be humble in the sense of, like, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be able to make that mistake with all the, you know what I'm saying, like, the courage that I can, that I have, and everyone's going to support me in that. Yeah. And and that's what Kendrick has been waiting for, like to see how the story is going to get told. And, and like I said, like you had to build, he, he really built that trust he built for that. the audience. He built that. He built that trust. So for him to be like but, but five how, years. But how do you think he's built it? Um, I think because he is the best, he's the best rapper in the game. For for one, so, but <laughs> that, that but that, why why I guess I w- I want to get deeper I mean, into it. Why would you consider him the best rapper in the game? Because he's definitely the most musical. I mean, if you want to get technical, he employs yeah. tons you're, of you're different flows. Guy. He employs tons of different flows. He's constantly searching for like new like tonal things to do with his voice uh-huh. and new like perspectives to to you know approach a rat, rat writing a song about. And it feels like he's not afraid to like get in the booth and like try shit out with some yeah. of like the 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 background sort of harmonies and like you know songs like ya yeah and and shit like that yeah. and damn you're just like wow like this shit is really I, I don't know when I heard it, it was like man it's very daring as like a rapper yeah you know because a yeah. rapper wants to be cool a rapper's supposed to go in the in the booth and fucking kill it and shut shit down and Kendrick is going into the booth. And faking like he's like drunk crying. Yeah. Kicking run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like nobody's gonna do that. Right. He's the guy that does that. And so and it separates every him. and and that's why everyone goes, okay, Kendrick, we trust you because you're the guy that's gonna put yourself on the line yeah. for everyone else. And that's what being like a def- I, I mean, not to talk shit, but like I feel like that's how I am in my life. Is yeah. that I'm the type of guy for like the people around me that I'm like, I'm willing to like fall or like or like go through the door first or like be the butt of the joke to see like check the like i mean i feel like that's the way that you should be yeah to me that's how i was always raised to be like dude you gotta just like put your fucking heart out there and like try to just and trust that the people around you are going to care for you and support you when it you know because you're gonna fuck up yeah 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 for sure and so that's why kenny's built that trust with us yeah because he's you know i'm saying he's just 
He just put himself out there and then skillfully crafted some of the hardest music in the last hundred years. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. So, so definitely excited <laughs> for that. That's my explanation. For that's sure, for sure. All like, on the record. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I think I, I love the way he combines, like I said, these these sort of like cultural, these cultural like current events essentially, and he's able to give terminology to it in a way that reaches more than one audience. And I think everybody gets to learn from it together and you might be learning something different from it. Mm. You might be in a, in an area where, okay, I might not be able to have a full grasp of what it is that he's saying based on the, the, the words and the literacy that he's using, but I know what he's talking about because I have said experience or I know, you know, Nipsey Hussle and his impact to the culture. I know Kobe's impact to the culture. I know Kanye Smollett. I know I'm, I'm just naming all the people that he used the deep fake for, but OJ. I, I'm aware <laughs> of that. So now that I'm aware of that, I have interest to learn about some of the terminology that he's connecting with that because I'm already interested in said subject. But then you have other people that don't necessarily understand said subject because it may not be something that they're that they frequent or whatever the reason may be that they don't know or understand or aren't fully aware of said subject but the way that he like paints the picture about these subjects and connects them to real life experiences and and real life situations and he's able to like give different terminology that equates to said subject and that ultimately describe said subject now they're reeled in so we're all learning together even though we might be learning di different ways and those are just two examples which is very minimal when speaking of all the things that you can learn from Kendrick's music we obviously just heard you talk about what he does as an artist and his musicianship and and things of that sort like there's so much you can learn from Kendrick projects and I feel like it's in it's a place where like the common ground with Kendrick Lamar music is that we can learn from it in one way, one form or another. And and he's got a it's gift like, for that. Is it weird that like it feels like his music is totally unfloppable at this point? Like I feel weird that thinking about his album that I'm like, well, it's 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 not gonna suck. Yes. You know what I mean? There's no way that there's it no way that it's gonna suck. Yeah. So what is it going to be? So what is you know it going to be? Right. I feel like there's a comfort there with, that, with other albums yeah. where you're just like, well, it's either going to be really dope and it's going to be like, cool, all right, I like this, or it's not going to be good. Yeah, it's going to flop. Or, you know what I'm saying, that in-between is a shitty thing to be. You know yeah, what I'm saying? You for never, sure. Especially now, because everyone's just so influenced by each other's opinions. Dude, form your own opinion. And then go talk about it, dude. Because everybody just waits to see what everyone's gonna say and be like, "Oh yeah, this shit's hard." It's like, no, the fuck. It's but not. again, that's what he does because he goes and he actually studies the craft. But not just studying the craft, he just studies in general. <laughs> so when he's making music about said subjects, like he still knows how to incorporate his real life experience. Or in this case, if we're talking about you know the most recent video, cultural experiences is essentially what he spoke about. But he spoke about it in a way that most of us from the culture just can't. And he has the gift to be able to do that for us. And we trust him for it. And he 
always executes. He always executes. <laughs> Kendrick's the type of guy that memorizes the nutrition facts on all his favorite yeah, cereal. Yeah, he just <laughs> studies everything. Like, like, but again, you continue to study, you continue to learn, you continue to grow, and your growth never stunts, rather than you trying to, like you said, formulate what it is that you're doing based on somebody else's opinion or something that somebody else does. But when you're continuing to educate yourself on these subject matters, you're able to feel a lot stronger and a lot more solidified in whatever your stance is about said subject matters. And I think that's very important. And obviously I say that sitting in the seat of a journalist where it's definitely but important I mean, for me to be confident yo, to publicly speak about or write about or broadcast about hip- whatever it is that I'm covering. I got to be able to stand in that firmly. Yeah, I mean, in hip-hop, dude, especially the the the, the, the way that he's taking it, it is journalism. In a way, yeah. So it's like, you know, what I'm saying same thing. The way like Dave Chappelle has turned into has transcended comedy in that way, right? right? It's like, right? These guys have turned this thing into a trans transcendent art form. That I mean, really, it is just kind of journalism at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I get. It. Yeah, I agree. Just trying to tell the story of the people. I think that's the I most agree. important thing. And I'm glad and everybody I, ain't able in their in their respective and, crafts. Exactly, and I'm I'm excited to hear his perspective because you know, he, and I, I just want to hear the musicians that have been on it because. You know, you probably don't. I mean, I try to. I try to stay tapped in. I'm sure I'm not even remotely close to how tapped in you can be musically or in any sort of group, especially on the internet or whatever. But I try to keep my eyes on what's going on, and you just never hear about people going like, "Oh, I just left a studio session with Kendrick," or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's very like, I wonder who's playing. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I know a few people, but I just, uh, I just want to see what it is. I, it's, uh, it's gonna drop it. Nine o'clock tonight. So yeah, it's coming. It's so coming. I don't have so. to wait for much for very much longer. I'm excited for and, it. But and, and and it's gonna give me something to do. God, Thursdays are hella busy. Thursdays dude. are dope. <laughs> oh, they're man. busy though, but they're dope. Listen, I like them because I like to be busy. Take a <laughs> like word of advice. Take a word of advice from me, man. Start your weekend on Thursday in terms of thinking like how you're gonna like execute stuff. Yeah. You know For what I'm sure. saying? Thursday is the day, man. And it allows you to actually enjoy your weekends a little bit more. Instead not, of not, like not go whatever. to work, obviously. Well, but. well, I mean, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, from a standpoint of like, I can enjoy my weekend more when I know I got a lot done Monday through Thursday. Now, if I feel like I didn't get enough done Monday through Thursday, and now that bleeds over to the weekend, and then guess what? It's Monday all over again. I don't like my stuff to bleed over into the weekend. I like no. to knock it all out. Majority of it out Thursday, where I where Friday is a pretty easy, free-flowing day, and just let that be the vibe going into the weekend until I got to come back on Monday again. So yeah, that's the move. So that, that's just my approach. But um, I do the same thing. Tom Brady signed he's a 10-year, <laughs> he's got a different $375 million deal with Fox sick. after he retires from football, which he already did once, by the way. <laughs> Dude, I would makes, imagine the second one is going to come rather quickly. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't, why wouldn't he just be like, I'm actually just going to retire now. Yeah. I'm not going to play. Why wouldn't you do that? Three hundred seventy. The only reason I can imagine why he wouldn't do it is for whatever reason he didn't, that he did return to whatever the reason was. I don't want to get into his familial dynamics, but a lot of folks got jokes off about his familial dynamics when he when he retired and then unretired because it was very public information that his wife, Giselle, did not want him playing football and she wanted him to retire 
And then he returned back to playing football. Again, how you feel about that and well, his family's influence on well, that is, is that. up to you. Folks, That's not really mic. what I'm going to get into. But at the same no, time, it's like whatever That's... reason it was that he unretired is the reason why he set up that deal to be whenever I do decide to retire from football, I'll come over and I'll sit down for 10 years and broadcast these football games for $37 million a year. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that if, if it was anybody else outside of those jokes, you'd be like, well, clearly he wants like a farewell tour that he didn't really get. No, he didn't. And so, and I think he deserves it. I mean, if anybody deserves a farewell tour, this guy is, oh, and he doesn't have to like hit some milestone, like a million career passing yards or 500,000 career passing yards. First person to ever do that. I think there's like a, there's a record that he's chasing. I mean, there's a lot of records he's already broken too. True. Well, I'm just saying saying like a fair, no, but I mean like a farewell tour. If he's like, I still got it in my body, a farewell tour where everywhere he goes, they lay a red carpet out for the man. Yeah. I was very critical critical of how he went out at the time when he was going out and I was talking about it and speaking about it on this podcast back then. Like, Mm. He was not going out the way somebody of his caliber was supposed to be going out. But now he's going out the right way to be able to have a deal for 10 years, $375 million the day you retire. That's a hell of a way maybe, to go maybe, out. Maybe he just doesn't like kicking it with his wife and he wanted to line up a job afterwards. See, I'm so not going to get into that. But, but for, joking, for, for each of you that want to speculate <laughs> on that, that's on you. But um, <laughs> But either way, like... That's the only thing that could explain essentially like why he's not going to unretire to jump right into doing that and why he negotiated it the way that he did that this begins after I retire from football. So that's already locked in, and I'm sure it's probably all guaranteed. He knows he's getting the money. Like, it's already locked in. Like, he he locked that contract in which is the reason why he was able to even negotiate it in the manner that he was able to. So I do agree with you. He wants a better farewell tour. Um, and he, I think, and he I think wants to, I think, he, I think he don't, he doesn't feel like he went out the way that he should have. And I don't think we think he went the way that, that went out the way that he should have right. either, but stuff like this, that's how you would expect Tom Brady look, man, to look, go man, out of the game of football. I, I, you don't want to be the aging superstar, like the dude, you know, the dinosaur or whatever. And you don't want to go out and have your last season be a season where everyone's going, well, we expect you to win. Yeah. Because then you're just not going to meet that expectation, and it's going to look like there's always going to be this little stain at the end of your career. The memory. See, the memory is what matters, bro. That's why Kobe's memory is going to be so long-lasting, man. And we ain't forgetting this $375 million deal. I'll tell you that I mean, I'm not. (laughs) I might go call. I might reach out to his agent or something and ask him if I can cut his grass for him or something. Talk about some memory. We're going to remember that. 10 years, 375. I remember. But you I remember tell you when what, Tom Brady you know was what? going into his last I'm gonna year remember, of his NFL career? I'm gonna and he remember, signed for 10 years, 300. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> no, I'm going to remember the, the Super Bowls. <laughs> That's what I remember. That too, but I'm going to remember this 10-year, 375 mil. Yeah, Every him. bit as much as I'm going to remember them good, Super Bowls. Good for Me him, at least. <laughs> Me good at for least. him, man. That's what those network people want to throw their money at? Like, I guess so. Yeah, you know, that's what they're throwing their money at. And that makes sense. I mean, Tom Brady, you know, nice 
You know, yeah, it's hard smiling. to like say Tom Brady doesn't deserve that because he's Tom Brady, but I get what you I get where you're headed. And you can head there if you like. <laughs> I'm just saying, just man. Go. Listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm not just stopping saying, you. bro. I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> you just go and you you know, you saw that graphic that ESPN put up and it said like top five sportscasters in the game and how much money that they make per year. And you got Stephen A. Smith at the bottom of this list, ten million dollars. And then you got Jim Rome. That was squarely at the top before this Tom Brady deal, making $30 million a year. Let me repeat that. Jim Rome. I'll give anyone a quarter if they can tell me the last time they heard that dude's fucking voice <laughs> voluntarily. Okay? So that's And awesome. I mean, he's listen, a legend. That's awesome. And what he's a, been whatever, in the game but, for a long time. Yeah. And, but and, I don't listen to Jim But Rome. his product is phoned in. His product is syndicated, phoned in, packaged up baloney. That's what it is. Yeah. And so you're going to get paid $30 million for that. And I'm sorry, Tom Brady, like, you could be the best uh, announcer in the history of the game, but, like, if Jim Rome is worth $30 million and Stephen A. Smith is worth ten, then how are you? You know, I, it just, a lot of that stuff doesn't, the math ain't mathing correctly for me, and I'm just going to yeah. slide right on past that part of it. I hear you. But I just think, you know, to me, it's the these network people and these big TV people are just, like, they're, it's it's like they're, you know, down periscopes, firing all missiles, trying to just like lob grenades, you know, yeah. at uh, at uh, real talent in broadcasting, and then like alternative rouse podcasting game. Like it's got these people running very scared, and you it's know, got them running scared, and, and, for and, sure. and then they're trying these. It just, I mean. I don't know, just ugly stuff that's very transparent to me. Well, I saw somebody post um, that, that has to do with money, like bro, like like I, I just for me, man, and yeah, like talk about it, like it, it really. And I'm not trying, I'm not one of those types of guys, but like, there's no way that my logical brain can look at a graphic on my supercomputer in my hand for some guy that throws a ball, and now he's gonna make forty million dollars a year to talk about it. I mean, it's it's low key, it's very, it's like it's disgusting. <laughs> it's what it is. It's fucking disgusting. Like, we sit here and do this for the love of the game, not getting paid a dime. For sure. And that's fine. But I'm not comp comparing pockets, but it's just like, we know what it is. If we had to look ourselves deep in the mirror, talking about sports broadcasting, it ain't worth no $38 million a year, bro. <laughs> it ain't that kind of work, okay? It's fucking not. So, um, you know, with that being said, I just feel like, you know, when people applaud that stuff, it, it just attracts away from, you know what I'm saying, the platforms that, to me, are really going to last ultimately. Well, I, I see that, somebody post, the future of NFL games is now set to look like this. CBS, Jim Nance, and Tony Romo. Fox, Kevin Burkhart, and Tom Brady once done playing. NBC, Mike Tirico, and Chris Collinsworth. Who's basically. ESPN, <laughs> ESPN, Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman. And Amazon will be Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. And I saw Michael Leaves, who's a sports journalist, Herb. respond to that. He quote tweeted that information and said, I sincerely respect every person on this list as they are all very good at what they do. However, I know there are black announcers and former <laughs> players more than capable of holding down positions yeah. on a network's number one broadcasting team yeah, for a league that's 69% black. Yeah, dude, the only black person in that lineup was Troy Aikman, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to even... Hey, 
Michael Eve said what he had to say, and you all can dissect that the way that you feel based on what you heard. But I've had more than enough conversations and will continue to have more conversations being a black person in the media space. Like I was talking to, um, we had a retreat at my job recently and uh, we were talking to like the coaches of the retreat and they asked a question and my answer wasn't necessarily surprising to me, but it was a question that I don't always answer. So it was cool to be able to answer it at that particular moment in time. But essentially was the question was what makes you lack trust like in your job and in the work that it is that you do. And for me, I basically responded saying like going into these jobs and into these places of work, especially in my journalism and broadcasting background, when I go there, I always live with having to not just carry the weight of doing the job, but carry the weight of knowing that I represent a particular group in this particular space that many of my peers don't. And the reason why I know that is because I'm in every all of these gyms and I'm in all of these press box boxes and I'm in all of these pressers and I stand out like a sore thumb majority of the time. And I'm talking about teams that come from state to state and we're broadcasting, you know, on the same table together. And I look to my left and I look to my right. And there's, I mean, really more so to my left where I sit at Portland state, but like, when I frequent these places enough to be hyper aware that not many people like me are able to frequent these places. And that in itself causes you to lack trust in the industry because it's like, oh, this industry doesn't really reflect me. So not only do I have to be good enough at my job to belong here, I also have to be hyper aware of the fact that it's only a few of us here. So we have to carry the load for all of the people, A, that appreciates us being here because they know that there's not a lot of us in this particular space. And then B, the people that we know actually wish that they could be here, but will never, ever get the chance. And it's just a different way to have to carry. And I think that kind of spoke to the tweet from Michael Eves there. And essentially what he was saying was like, for this league to be, 69% black. This is a pretty bright lineup on these top networks that are contracted with this league where majority of the product product is black. So not to have the commentary reflect that in any way, shape or form. It's been a problem. It's still a problem. And I just try to, you know, day by day, try to decrease the problem and it's hopefully, false adver- hopefully, it's false hopefully I'm though. creating a lane and somebody else, you know, can follow that lane and they do what they do and they pull they put their hand back, reach and bring somebody up, and that that trend continues. Mm. Well said, sir. Trend continues. And that's that's really what my stance is on it. Like we know it's up in that regard. And and again, like this is a port this is a podcast that focuses on the intersection of sports and politics. So these are conversations that we've been having, we're gonna keep having, but I thought that was that stood out. That tweet stood out to me, not because it was like newfound information that I didn't already know, but because I recently had to speak to that and answer to that. And I'm very aware of it based on my real life experiences in the industry. And although I love the journey, I appreciate the journey. Like 
is definitely something that I'm hyper aware of every time this mic cuts on, every time that I have to do a broadcast, every time that I got to stand on the stage is like, oh, it's rare that I'm standing in this space that I'm standing in right now. Doesn't mean I didn't deserve it. Doesn't mean I didn't earn it because I have. But now I'm very aware that when I look to my left and my right, I stand out. And that's just the way it's been. And that's probably the way that it's going to be. And I've kind of come to grips with that. But it was interesting having to like speak to my lack of trust in my work in that way because I think that speaks pretty squarely to uh, the point that Mr. Eves was getting across there. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't talk because I'm just white as can be sitting <laughs> next to you. So what am I going to say, you know? Uh, but I, I do understand. I mean, I, I mean, at least I can I can sympathize. I can't empathize. For sure. Know? And so, uh, I mean, shit, you're the one that's kind of brought me into the thing, and I just like doing it because it's fun. But I think really the issue is like, like, again, like, it's just, in, you know, the inauthenticity of it. Like, to me, to see a bunch of dudes up, you know, th- you know that, that look like that, talk like that, that have those types of friends, and then they're just in this pl- in this position that's, like, you know, pretty much being handed to them. You know, and not so many. Obviously, these dudes are great. I'm not they saying. They are. I'm not saying that, just for anybody listening. I'm yeah, all saying, you're saying is it ain't an equal opportunity. Say, no. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this, and, and, and he so, acknowledged that. And he said, I sincerely respect every person yeah. on the list as they are all very you, good at you, what they do. And giving, you have to open up with that. You got to work. Just that. You got to do the work. That's, yeah. You got to do it, absolutely. especially in the broadcast space, because everybody hears it. So right. regardless, you got to do the work. That's that's going to be, you know, unflappable regardless. But, right. But at the same time, when you're given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and it's just so easy for you to just skip. Yeah, you know another. You know another. Another opportunity is gonna come. Now I'm here. Now I'm there. Now yeah. I'm here. Now I'm there. Well, yeah. this is easy. Look how much money I have, and other motherfuckers don't. And it's like, all right, fine, whatever. Still, I do think it will. I hopefully I do think it will change. But 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 even if it doesn't, these are the spit like making your own spaces for it. Podcasting companion live broadcast uh uh commentary you know what i'm saying in fight companions and stuff like that is the stuff that's very plausible and feasible to do and that's why you got to do it like it, it you know you got to make your own space there's plenty of space that that's the illusion that that i just don't agree with and you see it in this money man you see they they try to they try to make it seem like there is no space because you're just like look i just cash injected this already sickly wealthy man with another uh, almost a half of a billion dollars like get real man like it it makes you feel really small you know or like or like yeah like this is a mountain that i just cannot climb yeah i don't have that kind of capital injection and there's no way that i'm gonna really be able to get it now that mentality is is you know quote unquote not cool but you know it's yeah. Like I said, we talk about it on this podcast all the time, bro. It, there's it's 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 logic to the reason why that mentality exists. Yeah. It's not even necessarily the mentality that I have, even though I speak on these issues and things of that sort, and I do all the different types of work that I do. But that isn't necessarily my mentality in regards to the work that I'm doing. But I do want to acknowledge well, this is what's happening in this industry, and I'm experiencing it, which is why I could understand why one would have said mentality, because it is a legitimate experience that I'm able to experience for myself. Right. But as the person experiencing it as well, and again, I was talking earlier about how things mold you to be that the way that you are. 
I come from a, a background of being very competitive, obviously, with the sports career that I've had. So I've kind of used, I've kind of more so adopted that mentality more so in this space to where even though I see the logic and the reasoning as to why one would have the mentality that you just spoke of, I come from and I've been shaped and molded to be this competitive thoroughbred guy to where I'm going to figure out a way to overcome this shit. Well, listen, and no, I no, no, no. and hey, I put both feet on the, on, on the pavement on, hold on, hold every day hold on, hold on, hold on. to try and see, that's what I attempt hey, to do. Hey, that that's how I was don't, I, that's no, how I was raised. I, I'm not this is not an, an indictment against you. This isn't an indictment I, against you, but this is saying you know that this isn't the mentality that you're supposed to have and I'm saying there's no, a lot of logic it, no, and reasoning I, actually, as to why one would have that mentality. You know, you know, actually, I personally just don't. You know actually what I was thinking is that like, oh, I know how the internet frames and reacts to shit and Ultimately, I don't care what the internet thinks because I know that it's fundamentally. But that's rare air. But that's rare air to be, and a lot of people do care what the internet right, thinks right, right. because the I, internet I, is I a only, real thing. I only and I can understand it, I why only, they would feel that way. You only, might not, but I only a lot of people do. No, I feel you, but I only framed it that way to like for like the confines of this show to like. I you get know what it. I'm saying? To, I, I agree with everything you said. But, just but so we're clear. Well, no, I, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just want to make it clear for I guess the point that I was trying to make is that. Is that, you know, the benefit of that once you see that, because if you have that competitive mindset and you have that way of thinking, then you can say, okay, cool. Now, how do I rethink the system that I'm in for sure and navigate that differently? You don't have to, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to pit your value and your self-worth and like your your successes based on this obviously like rigged system. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, this rigged that, system. Right. Too. And I mean, and and that's so that's that's where I'm at with it. Like because I mean, I was saying, I was telling you the other day about that Howard Beck article that he wrote the other day about mm-hmm. how the NBA was sort of talking about they were they were just addressing that they've had to find players more for swearing. Right. I think they've had four swearing fines this year, and that's like as much as they've had since two thousand and three or something, which is whatever. Right. But the f- interesting footnote that was sort of buried in this uh, uh, paper. Or, or this article that Beck wrote that he then went on Twitter and like highlighted, which I am happy that he did because I probably would have just not read the article either. But it was like, oh yeah, the league made mention of Struess or Struel or whoever the director of basketball operations guy is or relations guy is. He was saying that they're potentially thinking about finding players for stuff that they say on their podcasts and and stuff that they do on like you know their own time outside of them representing the companies or the teams that they work for. And I was like, "Yo, that I read that, and I was like, that that doesn't seem cool at all. No, and and it's, not at all. <laughs> and it's fine. And it's fine to. I, I don't think it's nothing's going to come of it. I really don't. I don't think anything will come of that. But I just thought it was very interesting to be like, okay, so you're going to like show your hand like that and like say like threaten that low key to these people because the only reason why people threaten anything is because they're scared." Yeah. Usually, usually, or angry, or yeah. angry. You know what I'm saying? So it's obviously the NBA being like, and like these, you know, the the, the broadcast deals that they have with these people going like, listen, you guys need to stop talking so much on this stuff that isn't 
well, yeah, they're scared, which <laughs> is why they're paying $40 million a year to Tom Brady. Not saying he ain't deserved it, but right. this is still a broadcast journalism job. This is not something that he's done. He's played football his whole career. He hasn't been a journalist right. his whole career. So the fact that he's even getting that type of money thrown at him is clearly more to do with his likeness than it is his experience and ultimately his skill at being a broadcaster. And that speaks volumes when you speak to sort of the intimidation of these leagues because guess what? They in bed together. These leagues are partnered. So Fox is a partner of the NFL. They're making money together. So the fact that or obviously if you want to take it to the NBA, as you mentioned the Howard Beck article, because that was an NBA specific article, the NBA is partnered with these broadcast entities. So they want to see their broadcast entities that their entities that they're partnered with be the most successful and have the most success because it ultimately affects their bottom line. It ultimately, I mean, a lot of players get their NBA checks. They get paid based on broadcasting deals. A, a lot of it, obviously, that's not the sole thing, but that's certainly a, 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 an impactful one in regards to what these athletes get paid and how the money flows and circulates throughout the league. So, yeah, I could see where, again, I agree with you that they're going to have a hell of a fight on their hands trying to stop players yeah, from being able to, yeah, these have to be profane s- in their own podcast. Yeah, But I could see actually, that that idea. The only yeah. thing you can do is sue. I can see to, where that idea. The only place that goes. I can see where that idea got thrown on the table some way, somehow. And Howard Beck essentially was just the person that found out about it because I had never heard about this until well, because you it's mentioned recent, this article. Because, because he sat down with Kat and he started, the guy that you know does these relations for the NBA. And he yeah. said, what time is it? And the guy was obviously made mention because he wouldn't tell Howard like, hey, man, you know what I'm saying? He he wanted it that to be heard. Yeah. He wanted the players to hear that. Yeah. And I'm just like, bro, you don't want to come at Draymond Green in there. I mean, you see how Draymond responded to Mad Dog. Yo, Draymond real. basically straight up told Mad Dog, it's a new day. All that night, old, night. All that old Take BS it. that you used to be on that got you to where you are today. It's it don't bro. work today. Yeah. We've calling we calling bullshit on it. And you lucky I don't have your job right now because, because I, I got offered a contract I from first take before I went and took the deal with Turner. I said, damn, Draymond. Yeah. That is that I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel, like he's talking about a guy who is now on ESPN on their biggest show on ESPN weekly. That has to feel threatening to that of the league who is partnered with ESPN. And this dude makes a weekly appearance on ESPN's number one show. That has to feel threatening, and that has to be something that you have in the back of your head if you're a front office official of the NBA, if you're an owner in the NBA. Because you're basically calling out the credibility of of our partnered broadcast company. So I could definitely see where the NBA feel like, well, how do we stop that? Hmm, maybe we stop Draymond Green from being profane on his podcast and saying what it is that he wants to say on his podcast because it's affecting our overall value. I mean, censorship, man. And everybody's going to listen to Draymond's wildly successful podcast, which is one of the things that J.J. Redick alluded to during that particular segment 
Draymond, like you talking about America doesn't like Draymond. Do you know Draymond has one of the most successful podcasts in America, sports podcasts in America? Like that challenge ultimately trickles down or up, however you want to perceive it, to the NBA because they're partnered with ESPN. Yeah, and that's who's going to win. The podcasts and the independent broadcasting, because everything is easy now to do, you can set up shop any old wear, essentially. That's what's going to win out. That's the thing that just baffles me the most about these guys that are still running game for these big media outlets and these big broadcast companies. It's like, how can your tactics be so antiquated? You have a cell phone in your hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everybody else, going everybody on. else knows this shit because we have the same thing you got. And, yeah. then we, and then we put it down and we go, Hey, did you see that? Yeah. What'd you think about yeah. it? Yeah. No, you know and we gather information and build new ideas based off of that information. Yeah. That's how you build society, bro. Yeah. And you progress. And these fools are just, I mean, but shit fire. But if you that got goes. Three, if you got uh, uh, endless Smaug esque coffers to be able to pull hundreds of millions of dollars for to give you cake your buddies up. Yeah. I mean, shit. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a crazy game. Like, oh man. <laughs> but the podcast it's a crazy is going to be. Game. But the podcast, dude. Draymond Green hasn't even. I think he's like barely at fifty episodes. Hey, that you know put, that podcast is he's going down. crazy. Yeah. He's putting it he's great. all the way down. And he's, and he's great. And he's, he's natural, really good at bro. what he he's does. He's a natural, He's dude. somebody that deserves to make that kind of money because he totally. is showing proof, proof of concept Absolutely. right now as, as we speak. Hundo. That's the reality P. of it. <laughs> he is showing proof of concept right now. Brady has never shown proof of concept as a broadcaster for me to be like, yo, he should be making $400 million over a span of a decade to be a broadcaster. And again, when they see the trends, as you mentioned, whether it be the pushback that their partnered companies are getting by their own players, they're like, how do we put a muzzle on this guy? Because what he's saying is right, and he is calling our bluff, and the conversation will eventually get to the point that, yeah, we're partnered with this company that Draymond is just blowing up a guy on who obviously deserved it because he he poked at Draymond first. Because he was wrong. He was wrong, and he he poked at Draymond first. So (laughs) now they have to start figuring these ways out to, like, we got to put an end to this. Like, this has to stop. But it ain't gonna. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. (laughs) We here now. Yeah, it's not. And that's what Draymond ultimately said. Like, it's a new day. We here now. I'm comfortable, bro. I'm comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we here now. It ain't gonna stop. It's not gonna stop. Um, NBA playoffs, man. You want to hit the page with that, or do you want to just you want to rock? We can rock. We'll you, figure something out for the Patreon. Like I said, I, I didn't really prep for this week's podcast. I'm just gonna be frank with you. Sometimes I'm just busy and I got other things to do and other money to go get, yeah. and that's okay. We got to get to the bag. But we are gonna talk about, I guess, the NBA playoffs. I mean, here's the thing: I didn't watch yesterday because I've already laid out. The crazy data that I had, I'm glad I didn't watch yesterday because the Golden State Warriors got uh, throttled. Got throttled. They looked, they looked mediocre, and that's really crappy to say. Uh, I know that that's not nice, but that's just the truth. That's what they looked. And even their game uh, that they squeaked out, uh, what was it, game four? Yeah. That They didn't look great. 
for the most for the most part. I think that Memphis looks good. They look like a really solid team top to bottom. Golden State coming into this series or into these playoffs rather to be like people were saying, wow, look how deep they are. Nine, 10, obviously GP two is gone. That hurts you. But yeah, it's like that bench don't look so deep anymore, man. In fact, your starters don't even look so tip top. So what now Steph is going to have to go supernova in order to go ahead and uh, get this one closed out. It wasn't going to be as easy as that. It's good. You know, it, I don't think game it, six I don't clay think... game six clay is still in, in, in a factor game six clay. That's a that's yeah. a that's a definite thing. That, I don't think they thought it was ever going to be easy though. Well, I thought that after you're talking about whoop that trick this and and well, whatever. Yeah, you. That I mean, you're going to go out there. I know, but that you're going to go out there and you're going to not get blown out the gym by forty well, that's points. That's what happened. That is. You know, what what happened. There, there's levels to happened. this, bro. There's levels to this. That's, that's not happened. a good look. So Steph is going to have to come out and go supernova. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I hope I hope that him and Clay and Draymond. I like to whoop that trick stuff though, and I like the way Memphis responded. Just, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think it's all I, fun. I don't it's want great. that to be no, the response, great. and I it's wish great. that that didn't happen. I want the Warriors to but have I didn't that like, series over and done with now. I'm, I'm offended as a basketball fan that they oh, put on no. such a big I'm just no. kidding. I'm just joking. Cut it out. No, cut it out. I almost got you. I got you, bro. I'm just joking with you, bro. No I got you. No. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Just don't get blown out, bro. Go out there and compete. You know, the shots weren't falling for them, so whatever. I have a feeling that, you know, they'll probably get it done tonight. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll get it done in six um again i didn't watch either game and hey man i said a couple weeks ago on that episode where we talked about the celtics sweeping the nets i think that was two episodes ago now maybe three it's hard to keep count when you do this every week but either way i said the bucks even without middleton would win this in six or seven and I obviously spoke to the physicality of the Bucks and them being able to give more resistance to the Celtics. But something that I also said was, was going to hurt the Celtics at some point in this series is Drew Holiday. Holiday. Because part of why the Celtics are as good as they are is Marcus Smart. He's a really good player. He's the defensive player of the year, and he deserved that. But... On the other team, they have a player who essentially is the same type of player as Marcus Smart, as Marcus Smart is, but he does it with a little more star power. And you know what stars do? They make those big time plays big time players during make the big biggest time, play, time parts of the game. And that's exactly that's what, what Drew did. Holiday did to Marcus Smart about directly a clam, clam. twice <laughs> in the it. final minute of the game. Yeah, that's a that's a twice. He did it twice. And so that was what I was speaking of a couple of weeks ago when I said that is going to backfire on Boston at some point. Now, obviously, the series isn't over. That isn't the sole reason why I said that the Bucs would win the series. So the series ain't over. But Boston's back is against the wall, and they're down 3-2 having to go till Milwaukee next. And at some point, I knew it was going to come down to Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart head-to-head. And in arguably the most pivotal part of the series, Drew Holiday exerted that star power, just like I said he would, over that of Marcus Smart, who both are two very similar types of players in regards to their approach, in regards to their standout skill sets, obviously as defenders. And I also spoke to the fact that Drew Holiday could score it a little bit better than Marcus Smart 
even though Drew Holiday hasn't been scoring efficiently, he's still having to put up 24 and 25 points a game just to be able to be a second option and help Giannis, who we already knew was going to go absolutely apeshit. But that Drew Holiday factor, man, I, I, I called that out specifically two weeks ago because I said it's going to hurt the Celtics at some point in this season that Marcus Smart, who adds value to the Celtics, is going to have one of these rare moments where he goes up against somebody that essentially does and has the same exact role as he has, but they just do it a little better. And then there's a little bit more star power to it. And I think that was on display last night. I didn't even watch it. I could just tell you based off the highlights, I did see the block and I saw, and I saw the closeout steal. And that's essentially what I was alluding to a couple of weeks back. Well, I think that game was that's what's going to happen in a close game. Someone's going to have to make big time plays. You're happy when it comes down to that because games can get away from you in this NBA. I'm looking at you golden state warriors anyway, moving on. But what I'm saying is, is that if you go and look at those numbers, especially the box score in particular, everybody had nice nights except for Giannis. He had a fantastic night. Well, yeah, so we know he's but, the best player in the world. No, I know, July 20th, 20, 2021 bro, was bro, the day that we commemorated the Giannis. <laughs> it's called Giannis and the Kupo Day. It's the best player in the world. <laughs> it's Giannis We're going to make that. Yeah, that's Giannis Day. Giannis Day is July 20th, 2021. Yeah. Because that's the day that he became the best. July, we're going to celebrate it this year. Mark my words. I will remember it for the podcast. We will celebrate Giannis Day on this podcast. Absolutely. July 20th. All right, let's go. No, but check it out. Giannis is going to have to get like that for most. He's going to have to do what he did last season, and that's why it's hard to go back to back because you're expecting guys to do these Herculean feats two years in a row, and that's when people just can't. So Giannis is just going to have to be superhuman for the rest of the playoffs, essentially, because... Well, at least until they get Chris Middleton back. Well, and at least until they get past Boston, because they're a really good team. And they can easily come out and make it an ugly game and play defensively sound, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, the series ain't over. It's It's not not over. over. Not by sight. Giannis is probably going to have to give you another 35 or 40 in order to get it done. Um, but you feel a little better doing but, that in Milwaukee. Uh, oh, I guess I do. If I'm, <laughs> yeah, especially especially looking at um, uh, this. Because, uh, I mean, we're pretty much done with that. We're basically saying, it, worst case scenario, Milwaukee in seven. Worst case. It, you think? Yeah, I've always had it that. Like I said, I predicted that I going think into the series, I, I it give would them, be six I, or I could, seven. I think that they could get it done. Uh, tomorrow night. I do too. I can I, I definitely think they can. I think they're in a pretty good position. Like right. you don't have to win two more games in a row like Phillies in the But you got to get it done, you see, right but you got to get it done and that's why Phillies and where they that's why Philly is Philly, okay? And Philly is Philly because they are playing silly, okay? And James So Harden, one point game at the half right now. What are we talking about? Uh, uh Miami, Miami up Miami one up over one. Philly game well, 6. Let me get, listen. James Harden has got to be the number two guy. You, I got a bone to pick with you. Shout out Chris Partee, because I've been talking to him about this too. We've decided, Devon Pouncey, we've decided that we are not being way too hard on James Harden. He deserves all of the, all of the criticism that he's going to get because it, I don't give a damn if you got, you know, uh, Superman himself sitting there as your number one guy on your team, bro. Uh-huh. You're still the number two guy. The number two guy is supposed to be there to be able to pick up the slack 
and to be able to perform to give you that two superstar tandem edge over a team precisely like Miami who doesn't have a bona fide superstar. So that Jimmy Butler is outplaying a once not very long ago MVP James Harden, that's a problem. And and I don't think that at any point in time you got it. And listen, you know, this is we're we're just talking about this season right now because as far as I'm concerned, the experiment really only matters if you can take this team to the Eastern Conference Finals based on the amount of money and the amount of uh, risk that you've taken on with the recent trades, and we all know the story. Now Joel Embiid's got a broken face. He might have broken twice the other night. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? And this guy is not getting any healthier. He's a he's a time bomb, essentially. He's so big, any one moment could just, his knee's gone, that's it, sayonara Joel. And now you got James Hart or James Hart on the hook for sixty one and some change million in the last year of his contract. He I'm not going to go win like that. No, I, I, it's not, I'm just He's I'm not just painting the picture. I'm just painting out Joel. I'm B. just painting the picture because I, I'm Period. not talking about and I'm not talking and I agree with you and I'm not talking about any, I'm, I agree with you and I'm not talking about anything other than right now they're down one at the half. That's what I'm talking about and this is the moment because James Harden's entire career at least postseason-wise, has been you can't perform when it counts. And it's a win-or-go-home moment tonight, and you're down one at the half. So what are you going to do, James Harden? What, what has he got right now? But I would like to know. you hear what you just said? That's the reason why I said you've been too hard on James Harden, because you just asked the question, what are you going to do? That's future tense, which tells me <laughs> he's got a little bit of time to actually do yeah, something. Yeah, you're right. He and you're going to sound time. absolutely right. like Hold a on. nutter butter if he, if he wins tonight <laughs> and goes on to win game seven and ends up in the Eastern Conference Finals like you just said. Hey, That's been my I entire point this whole time. And and to and, and to follow up on that, I could I knew you knew Chris Partey and whoever else on ESPN or any other network that's basically counting James Harden out. Which I don't care if you're I'm, counting him out, but count him out once he's out. And as of right now, he still ain't out. So I'll give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. But I never expected him to come to Philadelphia and win without the services of Joel Embiid. And to me, I just think more emphasis has been put on James Harden and folks essentially counting him out in a scenario where he's still actively playing ball and still has a chance to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, if you will, just for the sake of your example in particular – I never expected that to, that to happen without Joel Embiid. And the reality of it is, is with Joel Embiid in the series, the Philadelphia 76ers have won two games to the Miami Heat's one. With him out of the series, we obviously got a 3-2 series right now. We got a one-point game right now at the half as we're recording. But for the sake of the example, let's say that Philadelphia finds a way to figure it out and they force this into a game seven. That now becomes three to one with Joel Embiid available that they've beat the Heat in this series. That would become three to one. And, and, and at that point, you win more games regardless of what happens in game seven. You win more games in a series with Joel Embiid available than him not being available. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I'll give you that. But and that's where I felt like people disrespected Joel Embiid. But, that's but why I, I feel like the same people that felt like Joel Embiid should have won MVP, if you feel as if Joel Embiid not being there wasn't as impactful as it's been, clearly, 
and you but at the same time you're shitting on Harden because you're expecting Harden to be able to win without Joel and no, be I'm there. No, I'm expecting him to that's, be able to win. No that's kind of contradicting that. in no itself. One, no one ever said expecting him that's to win. That's contradicting in no, itself. I never said I expected him to win. If anything, well, yeah, I, clearly it, you're basing it on what he no, does tonight. No, you're no. basing it on if if his production leads to wins because if they don't win, guess where they don't make it to the Eastern yeah, Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. So you are basing it on winning. You can't okay, go okay. get around that. No, no, if they hold, win, it's all good. If they don't win. I'm not. Oh, fuck James hold, Harden. I never said fuck James I'm Harden. Just, <laughs> hold on now. Not putting words now, in your mouth. I said now. that. I'm just saying. Hold on now. Hold on. Let me say it. Fuck James Harden. There you go. Now, <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. What I'm saying is, is if Joel Embiid is on the court... I'm never gonna I'm never gonna put that on on James Harden because Joel Embiid has since before James Harden was even solidifying his 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 uh, uh, you know title as world's greatest choke artist. Uh, Joel Embiid couldn't keep himself on the court long enough without balling and running into the locker room. So both of them together have some hurdles that they need to jump together. And as it stands right now at the half, they both got double digits, and it looks like, okay, at least James Harden, you can almost guarantee he's not going to score 13. So cool. If Joel Embiid can stay on the floor, you know Joel Embiid is going to be Joel Embiid because he's the best player on the floor. He was probably the best player in the league this year, and he got snubbed on 65 first-place votes from Nikola Jokic, the lowest since Steve Nash. If you can find the similarities between those two players, I'll give you a nickel. Anyhow, I'm never saying that it was supposed to be him coming in and winning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you got Why do to- you call him a choke? Because he never two for seventeen in fourth quarter. The, the, the whole team goes scoreless from the beyond the arc and that, which leads I mean, to they what? got everywhere. Now, what if he goes two for seventeen? No, I got You were there. My question. No, I'm asking with you, you. If he goes for if he goes two for seventeen and they win, then what? Are we still calling him a choke artist? Hell yeah! All and, day long. Now and now, that and that's 60, where I don't know a lot of people. He's a sixty-two million dollar choke artist, and that's okay, bro. Because even you know if they what? win, he's gonna get his. No, 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 no. no. The conversation no, no. won't be even oh, if no, he I'm goes sorry. two. I, I, even if he on. goes two I, for seventeen, the conversation won't be no, James Harden no, no, went no, two no, for no. seventeen. The conversation is gonna probably end up being no. Joel Embiid, no. this Philadelphia 76er team. Oh my God, they sent it to a game seven. Da, 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 da. Look, but we're making the conversation about James Harden, and we're hyper analyzing his stats. And again, this isn't me saying that he might not have lost a step. This isn't me saying that two things can't be true. This is me saying that when you look at the the Philadelphia 76ers as a team, there was ever no way that without Joel Embiid being there that they were going to win this series or anything for that matter, with or without James Harden being available or not. And that I felt like... Obviously, the MVP votes votes were prior to this whole situation. Well, not really, because James Harden's been kind of getting these criticisms since he's gone to Philadelphia, and the MVP votes hadn't been submitted by that particular time. So I take that back. But we speak of Joel Embiid, and you're seeing all of these people talk about why Joel Embiid should have been the MVP, why Joel Embiid this, why Joel Embiid that. But then when he's not available, we just diminish the fact that his the, lack his of availability to his team, his I impact is absolutely it's, it's, it's insane. Ins- you can't, even and that's the reason it. why he should be MVP. Absolutely, and I so agree with and that. so it, to me, it's just a contradiction there. Where it's but, like I don't mind people criticizing James Harden because they think he lost a, sl- a step, or because he's not performing to the way that folks think that he should perform. All I'm saying is, is 
We contradict ourselves when we hyperanalyze one thing over the other. And to me, we should have always been talking about the fact that this Philadelphia 76er has, team has no chance without Joel Embiid being there, regardless of James Harden. And that's the reason why folks feel Embiid should have been the MVP. And that's a point that's been made in a lot of these MVP conversations and debates since it's been announced that Joker is the MVP is that look what Joel Embiid has been able to do this series. He's essentially brought a dead team back to life, and that's the reason he should have been the MVP. I'm just saying that energy can stay, can stay consistent, well, I mean, although two things can be true. Daryl Morey got James Harden, and that gave him a shot in the arm, and James Harden did have some really nice moments with him in the last 20 games or so of the season or whatever the case may have been. So it's not just Joel Embiid. You have the emergence of Tyrese Maxey, who, by the way, has 11 points, even though as we're uh, uh, as we're Again, if we, now, if bro, we go in there, then Joker should have won. And you know, and you know, I speak highly of Tyrese Maxey. I call, I've been calling him a poor man's John Morant all year long. Obviously he ain't as good as John Morant, but I think I just, his speed, his, his athleticism, the way he plays reminds me a lot of John Morant I, and he's a really good player. Look, bro, I'm just saying that like, you know, you're James Harden, and you're playing alongside a tr like a transcendent level talent in Joel Embiid with a pretty good team around you, and you have a chance to get to the conference finals right now on your home floor, and you're coming out scoreless in the half, and you're almost and you're down eight now. So it's like, all right, dude, when are you gonna? Because at the number two option, bro, this is what I'm saying. It's like no number two option in this league. I'm looking at guys like CJ McCollum and I'm looking at people like that who are giving you Drew Holidays and shit, giving you two, 20 to 25 points a game. Right? James Harden, if 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 20 to 25 points a game, 22 to 25 points a game for James Harden, if yeah, that's I think not he's probably averaging like right about 20. Right. If you can't give us that consistently, especially in these playoff moments, it's like then what what you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing here, man? Because you've proven you can't be the number one guy, and that's okay because you're still really good. You're, in fact, James Harden, you could be the best number two guy of all time. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, cool, man. Here's the ball. Go, go do that. Nope, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to take, I'm going to shit the bed this game, and I'm going to give you 13 and four. And it's like, no, 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 dude. You were an MVP. What are you talking about? Like, and, and I think that. This Ben Simmons thing. Good things don't last forever, baby. Well, they turn around. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's an eight-point game. That's not. A, I, that's not a big lead. I, well, I mean, anything. You know, what I'm saying. I, I mean, that's not a big lead. Eight points is is not a big lead, saying, especially today. I just, I can just feel it slipping away. I can just feel it slipping. Maybe away I'm not watching it to to be able to say, but I think. You'll you'll have better luck getting your point across to me after if, this series after this is series is over, especially <laughs> if right. Philly loses. But if Philly wins the series, I want Philly to win because huh? I think it's a and more even still, it's like I, I consider the fact that he's been with this team for two months. Like there's other things that I yeah, take sure. into consideration sure. as well, to where it's like they are still playing, and as you much just, as I bash the Heat, they are still playing against the number one seed in the conference, a team that's been consistently good all year, all year long. long. So I take those things into and doing consideration it without as well. bona fide and, superstars, and like and that, not having and, and not having Joel and Embiid available. And now going down 0-2, like, again, even if Miami wins tonight with Joel Embiid available, it's a 2-2 series. Without him, it's a 4-2 series. Go figure.
<laughs> like, like, go figure. That's yeah. all it is with me. Yeah. So I just feel like it's no, more contradiction, you. more contradicting, and in some ways a little bit more disrespectful to Joel Embiid to base James Harden's career on this particular season nah, when see, Embiid wasn't there. Because no, nah, but see, as a basketball Embiid fan, I'm there. offended though. As a basketball fan, <laughs> I'm offended, it, bro. You gotta live with <laughs> no, that. Just, you gotta I'm live with that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what? I, I do want Philly to win because it's just a more compelling storyline, and that's why I'm like, come on, you guys are like the hottest. Yeah, I want him game. to win too. He has the hottest like players in the I game. I do want like, him to win, but I kind of don't want him to we win because you that mentioned Partee already, and me and Partee have been like literally begging, like. Our whole thing was Follow, we wanted to see a Miami Heat crossover. Chris Partee, go and check his podcast out. It's we hard. wanted Devon's to see a Miami Heat matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, oh, that'd be nice. And I guess because, there's a story because, there, yeah, but I just don't he care. He thinks the Heat are better than the Bucks. So for me, there's a story because I'm like, you're out of your mind. The Bucks just swept them a year ago. What are you talking about? Oh, but in the bubble. bubble. Oh, yeah. fuck the bubble. <laughs> On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke hey, and go win. Man.